Um, for those who uh, have come in and you're not uh, aware of what's been going on, so we're in a series. My name's David Wooten, uh, a pastor here at New Life, and uh, we're in a series uh, that uh, uh, is centered around what we call the sweet spot. What What is that? What is the sweet spot? What does it even mean? So we started two weeks ago, so I'm going to brief you on a couple of the messages right quick to get to today's. We started two weeks ago with this statement. We sort of have pushed it all the way through the series. What if there's a place we can get to, a place offered to us in God, a place in relationship with him that allows us to find peace and hope and strength and purpose, um, all the things that we need to live life to the full, uh, just just be just be in a place where we find that presence of God constantly and regularly. And we said two weeks ago, there he is. There's without a question a place like that. And you'll find the beginning of that sweet spot whenever you start putting God's word in your mind. You begin to, to put God's word into your, into you, into the, your thought processes. Because here's the reality. When you put God's word in your mind, it comes out your heart, hands, and feet. Somebody say amen. So when we take time to put God's word into our mind, it shows up in our heart towards people. It shows up in our hands and service and our feet and going to the place that God wants us to go. So we recognize the importance of God's word first and foremost, without any question. And we know the beginning of that for all of us is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. It's Jesus. Amen. It's his presence, it's his powers, his activity in our life. So last week, we took time to sort of take it a second step. And in that discussion, as we looked last week at the sweet spot, we said that you'll find your sweet spot when you have an ear to hear the Spirit. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read a verse to you from last week. It says in Hebrews 2.1, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. Now, here's your thought right quick. What did that even mean in that day? What did that even mean in that day? Dude, they didn't have podcasts they could go to and listen to six times. I mean, let's face it. Once it was said, it was said and declared. They didn't record it They outside of possible scribes are writing it down. There's, I mean, there was no way to return to it. So what did that, listen to what we've already heard. Listen to what you've already heard. What did that mean? So, so you've got to go back to Paul's writings and his, 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 his teachings to Timothy from 1 Timothy 1, 18, 19. We won't dig deep into this, but you got to understand what he's saying when he says right here in Hebrews, you, you must listen to what you've all, what you've already heard. You must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. So, so God's given us all a conscience. Okay. He's given us something in us that speaks to us and that it's designed to affect us, and it does affect us, but it's only reliable. Your conscience is only reliable when it's submitted to the rule and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So literally, your conscience, we said last week, is a security system that's set up that's connected, when connected with the Spirit, becomes a monitor for the, for our life activities, for our, our choices, for our relationships, for everything that's going on in our life. And the Spirit's mission is pretty simple. It's to monitor our, 
our activity and bring to our remembrance God's word. Why do we need to put God's word in our mind? Because the spirit wants to bring that up in decision time. It wants to bring that word up when we have choices to make. So the spirit's active and working to guide us when we're faced with right and wrong choices. So it's guiding us and directing us and trying to lead us into the place that God has for us. So what if there's this place we can get to that's offered to us in God that allows us to find the peace, the hope, the, the strength, the purpose, all the things, all the things we need to live life to the full. So, I believe David found that place. I believe David, through his journey to become King David, I believe David found that place. I believe David found the sweet spot. I believe David found a sweet spot. And, and you read in Psalm 143, verse 10, this statement. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious Holy Spirit, or may your gracious Spirit, lead me forward on a firm footing. Man, there's so much in that thought right there that I want to just just sort of unpack and lay out for us in this last message in this series of finding your sweet spot. If you don't know this, I want to say this to you, and I want you to hear this in your spirit today. I want I, I, I I'm praying that you have an ear to hear the spirit today. Everybody, do me a favor, right quick. Okay, you ready? Take your right hand. Put it on the right side of your face and squeeze. That's what, you got an ear. Okay, just a just, just, just making sure everybody. <laughs> and if you didn't have an ear on the right side of your face, I apologize. I didn't know that as a visitor. I, I, I do want you to know that I did not mean to embarrass you in any form or fashion. There probably was one there at some point. I don't want, anyway, man, that's really dangerous. So, so we worry, we worry. Listen to me. If you don't know this, I want you to hear it. God wants you to know his will. God wants you to know his will. He's not hiding it from you. He's not keeping it from you. He's not making you work, 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 work to try to find it. He's wanting to reveal it to you. He's wanting to show it to you. We worry about how to know God's will and we get caught up in trying to determine and think through and figure out and all these things about the voices that are in our head. Oh, is this God? Is this God? God, what are you saying? God, is that you? God, I don't think that's good plan. Are you sure about this? You know, and so, so we get caught up in that. In, in the struggle to follow him to, as he leads us. As, and sometimes, sometimes in that leading, it leads us to different places and different directions and different encounters and different relationships. And so it's so, we, get, we I mean, it's so, it's, it's such a big deal for us, I think, when God's spirit wants to reveal his will to us. And we make it such a big deal when it's that voice in there that's speaking that word to us, that's confirming his word in us. If we took time to look at, we'd see that four different times in four different churches, John said this in Revelation 2. So the end of the book talks about this work that we're talking about right here. It says four different times to four different churches, anyone in in Revelation 2, I didn't separate the verses. It just makes this statement. Anyone with ears to hear must listen 
to the spirit and understand what he is saying. So for me to understand what the spirit is saying, I've got to listen and I've got to have that word put into my mind so that I can understand what his will is. I can understand what he's wanting, what he's desiring of me. So knowing God's will is pretty simple. I mean, I, I don't want it to sound like that simple, but it really is that simple. God's spirit wants to help us understand what God's saying do. That's what it is. So knowing God's will is simply knowing him. And once I know him, then I can do what he says do if I allow the word to get in me and I give an ear to what the spirit's saying and I obey that. I do what he says do. Knowing God's will is as simple as following this simple process we've laid out. So first one is this, put his word in your, put his word in your mind, put his word in your mind. Cause because I told you three things that are going to happen when you put his word in your mind. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to penetrate your heart and begin to show up in your heart. Show up in the way you look at others, treat others, respond to others. And then it's going to show up in your hands and feet. You're going to start doing the things that God would have you do. That, 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 that would be a witness of who Jesus is in you. Second, we said that we got to hear what the spirit has to say to us. We've got to have an ear to hear the spirit. And I'm going to take that a little further we got to hear up an ear to hear God's spirit through the voice of our conscience. So he's wanting to speak to us. And we get in this wrestling match over what's right or wrong. But let me tell you something. If he's speaking to you something that lines up with the word, don't worry about it. If you know the word, then you're going to know it lines up with it. And so you're going to be able to act on it. Boom. You're going to take off. And the third thing that I'll mention to you is this. You got to do what the spirit says do when he says do it. That's a lot of do's. It's probably too many. Do what the spirit says do when he says do it. Do what the spirit says do when he says do it. That's a lot of do's, but that's, that's the reality of it. I got to obey. That's a single word that fits all of that statement. I got to obey. Uh, John one twenty two says this, don't just listen to God's word. So we got an ear to hear the spirit. We got an ear, we got an ear, we've put the word in, we got an ear to hear, but don't just listen. Don't just listen to the word. Don't just put it into your mind. You must do what it says. Otherwise you're only fooling yourself. So there's this, there's this step that takes place. There's this act on our part. There's this element that we like to call it. I would say it is probably the most important spiritual chemical in your life. And it is called faith. So you've got to drop the drop of faith into what God says do. And when you obey, you're going to see the miraculous. Amen. You're going to see the miraculous. You're going to see him do things that are beyond you. And you're going to come out of that going, whoo, man, my life is so full right now. Amen. My life is so full right now. The place God offers us life the full is found in doing what God says do when he says do it. It's in obedience. It's in me saying, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. I've had parents come and sit in my office board and say, if my kids only do what I tell them to do. Somebody say amen. I'm still saying that. I'm sorry, looking at you, Michael. Um, sorry. But no, no, we, we, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 we want our children to do what mom's saying was this, okay? I think I know why I love sci-fi so much. I'm a sci-fi guy now. I love when the anaconda turns into piranha and then you got anaparanda. 
a piranaconda or whatever it is anyway. So I love, I love the crazy sci-fi stuff. Now, some of it's weird and I don't get into because I think it's a little bit demonic. But when a snake gets a, a piranha head, that's, you know, I mean, come on. That's good living. Uh, Sharknado, you know, come on. Come on, sci-fi. So I think I love sci-fi because mom's saying was this. You ready? I've said it till my face turned blue. So I think her blue face made me love sci-fi. That's all I'm saying. Mom was one that said, I, I've said it till I'm blue in the face. And that's as weird as it is. All mom was saying is, man, I want you, I, I've got this plan for you, son. And if you'll just do what I'm telling you to do, you're going to accomplish something that's going to make me and you happy. Amen. If you'll just do what I'm saying, do you're going to accomplish something that's going to make me and you happy. So, so how do I get from here to here? I got to believe that they mean well for me. I got to believe that, that mom and dad meant well for me. Your kids will one day believe you meant well for them. Even though you were blue in the face this morning. You got to believe God means well for you. You got to believe that what he's saying to you is so perfect. And though you can't see it, you can't understand it completely. Though you can't fully embrace what he's saying, the direction he's leading you, or the plan he's got for you, or the work that he's doing in you, you got to believe he's up to something and you want to be a part of that. You want to have that. You want to experience that. You understand that God wants us happy, right? I mean, there's, God wants us happy. He wants me happy. He wants you happy. He wants us happy. He wants us living our lives in peace and harmony with his words so that we can hear his voice and obey him. He wants that going on. So how do we do that? I'll give you just a few thoughts right quick. First, and I think, I think for everyone here, we all start at the same place. We all start saying, we all start at the foot of the cross. If you haven't bowed your knee and surrendered your life to Christ, that's the beginning point. That's the place this all happens. That's the place faith becomes this incredible power and force within your life that enables you to take down those things that are dark and evil in your life, that experience, that you begin to experience the freedom and the liberty that you've sought for all your life, that enables you to make choices that are right no matter what's going on around you. And in the end, as you've put his word in your mind and you've, you've, you've listened to the spirit and you've obeyed him, you're going to be so happy. So it all begins at the cross. I'm going to give you a verse, 2232, 2132 of Matthew. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live. Now, this is a very negative verse, so don't take it wrong. John the Baptist showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happen, saw what happening? Tax collectors and prostitutes, the worst of the worst of that day, what they considered to be those that were on the bottom, experiencing the life to the full that God had for them, you refuse to believe him and repent of your sins. It all starts for every one of us at the same place. That's the foot of the cross. It starts with repentance of sins. It starts with us saying, God, Lord, help me, forgive me. It, it starts with me 
trusting Christ as my Savior. It started with you. If you're born again today, you started at the foot of the cross. You started with Jesus. You started with a surrender to him in your heart and in your life. And that, that has nothing to do with race or creed or religion or culture or status. No man, the scripture makes it clear, no one comes to the Father except through him. I'm talking about Jesus. We all start at the same place. And no, I believe this, no person, no man or woman, no one finds God's will apart from surrender to Christ the Savior. I don't believe you, I don't believe you know his will because I don't believe you know him. But when you know him, you're going you're gonna to come to know his will. So surrender to Christ is the beginning for all of us. The second thing that I'd say to you is this. Man, this, this, I live off of this thought. I live off this thought all the time. I've taught you this thought. You know this as a church. You got to believe God's in tomorrow today. You, if you want to do his will in your life and, and take the steps of faith that's required, you got to believe God's in tomorrow today. You've got to come to the place that you believe he is actively involved in tomorrow right now. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, and it's, you, you may question the application, but hear me out. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. So here we go. This, this is what it means to know God's will. To know, knowing him. So to know God's will, you've got to know him. So here we go. Stay with me. You'll only, you'll only be thankful in all circumstances. That's a tough verse. Let's take a second on that. That's a tough verse. Be thankful in all circumstances. Man, that's a hard verse because that's a verse that tells me that there's going to be times I'm not going to like the circumstances. Amen? There's going to be times I may, I may not even agree with the circumstances. I may choose to not agree with it because of the face that's, that I'm looking at, because of, the, because of the events that surround it, but whatever it is. There's going to be times when it's a struggle, but he says now, he says, basically, you be thankful. You be thankful. You be thankful no matter what's going on. You be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So you'll only be thankful if you believe God's at work around you, working to reveal his plan for you to you. You've got... The only way you're going to be thankful in all circumstances is if you believe that God's doing something and that he's working through that to reveal his plan for you to you. you got to believe that he's that involved. To obey, for us to obey the voice of the Spirit that calls us, that, 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 that bids to us. you got to believe that God's ahead of you. That he knows more than you and that... He, he's made a way for you. That, that he's out there just saying, come, come. I, I, um, David and Karina has been at the house and the kids have been there and they found the back wall. 
love the back wall in our back patio area. Uh, those who's been there know that there's this little ledge that got built and then they put a fence on it because it was high enough that that code wouldn't allow it to just pass and have the sloping pretty hill back there. So they put this four-foot fence that is useless. That I was told by the builder, you can tear it down tomorrow if you want to. I just have to do this to get the clothes. But it turned out to be a pretty little place. It sort of shuts us in. It's very quaint and quiet back there. Well, most of the time, Jude and Nell's back there right now. So they go up, catch me, catch me, catch me, turn, and Jude and Nell, fearless, fearless, get up there. And, I mean, it's this high. Catch me, and they'll get up there and just, they ju- I mean, it looks like they got their own springs when they go off of it. And, you know, the good news is, is that they know David will catch them. They know he's out there in that space waiting on them. You listening to me now? God's out there in this space waiting to catch us. Waiting to be our helper in the time of need. Our strong tower. Waiting to be the force to be reckoned with for all of our enemies. He's waiting on us. All we got to do is leap. Take the leap of faith. Take that step. And for them, it's not a step. I'm serious. Jump is not a good word for what they do. At first, I just sort of stood back and thought, dude, that's crazy. Then I realized David would throw Jude high as his ceiling and catch him. I thought, well, hey, no wonder he can jump off that. Let me say something to you. Our contentment with tomorrow. I mean, y'all content with tomorrow already. Now, you think about that for a second. Some of you kids are leaving for camp. I know you're really content with tomorrow, but let's, let's get to Wednesday. How many of you are content with tomorrow? Content with what it's bringing. Content with what the day will bring, the activities in it, the relationships, the struggles. You know you're going to face what you left last Thursday or Friday at work. And you're going, it's good. It's all good. Our contentment with tomorrow is believing that God is active in it. Our contentment with tomorrow is believing that God is active in it. That he's out there going, come on. Come on. you got to believe he's ahead of you. Even in times that are risky. That's why doing what God wants us to do is a faith step for all of us. It's a leap of faith for every one of us. Which moves me to the final thought right here on these things about God's will and doing it. Doing what he says to do. The final thought is this. God's, God's in all of it. God's in. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, the work that is happening in you right now is as simple as this. He's forming Jesus in you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 say this. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. He who calls you is faithful. I'm going to get you 
Let me get you to say something. First off, God's will. Say will. God's will is simple. You allowing him to make you like Jesus. That's his will. Why can you be thankful in all circumstances? Because that's the will of God for you concerning you in Christ Jesus. And what does that mean? That means that in all this, you're going to look like Jesus when it's over with. Amen? Now, don't we want that? We want his will. How about God's work? Say work. God's work is you and him together. In this passage, it means you and him together make Making your whole spirit, how can I say this? Keeping, let, let me say it this way. Keeping you blameless in soul, spirit, and body until you see Jesus. It's you and him together. Keeping you blameless until you see him. Keeping you blameless in spirit, soul, and body. Keeping you blameless. So how is that possible? Listen Listen to what you've already heard. Listen to the voice of the Spirit that's speaking to you. Listen to what he's saying that lines up with his word. Listen and say yes in those moments. That's how you're going to stay blameless. And then third, God's way. Say way. So we know his, we know his will and his work. We know his will is, is to make me and you like Jesus. We know his way is that we're going to work together and it's going to, he's working to keep us blameless until we see Jesus. What's his way? His way is this. Him making all this happen, not you. Him making all this happen. That's what that verse says. God will make this happen. God will make this. God will make what happen? He'll make you blameless. He'll make you blameless. You work with him. He's working to his will and his purpose. And he's going to keep you blameless. You're going to be blameless when you see Jesus. Why? Because of his blood. Because of his powerful work in you. And, and ultimately, in the end, he's the one that's going to get the credit. We're going to fall before him and worship him and glorify him. Listen to me. God's working in all of us. He's working in all of us. Life, life is ever flexing and changing with our circumstances and our surroundings. But, but very, very, very focused and defined for the purpose of refining Jesus in us. So in the midst of all the fluidity of our life, there's some very focused things and some very defined things that he's doing to make me and you like Jesus. He has a direction he's taking each of us. And our challenge is to recognize what he, he wants to do through us and respond to what he shows us when he shows us. What we do let me say it this way. When we do the will of God, the work of God becomes easy. When we do the will of God, the work of God becomes easy. I made a couple of notes right here I'll just read to you. I found that doing his will relieves the stress and the struggle. I found that doing what he says do relieves the stress and the struggle. Because we all know what that's about. The stress and the struggle. Oh, Lord, is this you? Um, and it also becomes the catalyst for those around you to see God in you and in their life. When we do his will, it becomes the catalyst for something greater for everyone around us. Amen? Um, 
Which brings me to this thought. Um, Debbie and I, our goal for over 25 years at New Life has been to accomplish what we're talking about right here. It's to get us all in that sweet spot. To get us all in that place where God's presence and power is felt. Um, And we've been so blessed to do that. But on Monday, May the 13th, 2019, I I, I submitted to our elders board uh, a, a retirement letter. I think, I think, I think, I know, let me change that word. I know without a doubt in my life, in my heart, that God is leading me in a new direction. Uh, Our elders, and I'm going to ask them to come up, Larry Bailey, Alan Brannon, Sandy Peoples, Herman Quinn, and Roger Whitson. They're coming up to the side here. I told them they'd come stand behind me, but they, Herman said, no, we're going to stay on the side over there. Um. These guys are my brothers. They have been brothers to me through the thick and thin of ministry for years. uh, And I'm so thankful for them. Uh, They have an incredible heart for leading new life. A great compassion and love for the church and for all of us. Uh, I requested the honor of leading new life for the next three months until August the 25th, which would be the last service for me. Uh, They have been gracious in allowing that, that would complete 26 full years of ministry for me. I started uh, uh, September, actually the end of August, uh, in, uh, in, in, in a time and a place and a moment in my life that I, I had never imagined that I'd get to this place. Uh, but God was gracious and gave it to us and allowed this to happen. I'll say this, this, this will complete the 26 of the greatest years of ministry for me and Debbie ever in our life. We've never experienced anything as great as this. Let me read some stuff to you. It's been my honor to serve as lead pastor of New Life Assembly of God in West over these many years. I've enjoyed the blessing of God's favor as I've led you. And I can honestly say I've never imagined this day prior to the last few months of ministry, but God dropped something in me that I can't can't deny, can't fight, I can't, I'm through struggling with it, as we all do. It wasn't whether God was speaking, I knew what he was saying, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around it initially. Um, You've been all the spirit of Christ has called you to be, you've been faithful, you've been supportive, you've been understanding, you've been compassionate, loving, honorable, generous, peaceable, purposeful, new life, you are servants. You are servants. And Jesus is so proud of who you are and who you're becoming. I'm saying that with all the sincerity of my life. Debbie and I will continue to pursue what we believe is the next chapter of our life. I want to go ahead and assure you that a a retirement doesn't mean I'm fixing to go home and kick my feet up. Debbie looked at me on that Monday night when I got home and she said, you know you've got to go get a job, don't you? Um, I'm committed to be the worker in the field he leads me to. I'm being called to something new, a place I've never been before, and I'm good with that. I'm an adventurer, so I'm excited about that. I'm not excited about it because it's leaving you out or will eventually be a place that sort of takes you uh, daily and weekly out of my life, but I'm excited about it because ever since January the 1st, I've had a reminder pop up on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. on my phone that says, 
Find someone unchurched and eat with them this week. And I've sought that. I've looked for that. And God put that in me to get me ready for this day. I will say this. And it's a statement concerning you. You are strong. You are courageous as a people. You have in you the power of God's spirit who declares through you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You have the answer the lost are looking for, that they're searching for. You have the light that those who are lost in darkness are seeking. You are the witness that God is good to everyone who encounters you. You have the mind of Christ and the heart of God and nothing can stop you from encompassing the entirety of this community and beyond as a church. Be that people. Be that people. Be that church. Debbie and I love each and every one of you. I offered for her to come. Hey, she's coming. I wasn't sure if she was prepared to do that. Uh, we knew this day was going to come. We embrace it with expectation when God's in tomorrow today. Your love for our family has been Christ-like, and you've been the best for us these last 26 years of ministry. I think I'm the last guy, I'm one of the last guys in the state to stay that long. Um, I have a saying that's true, but it's very difficult. And that is, and I used it about five years ago, uh, in a circumstance within our life. It's when I received this word and I didn't know that this word had come back to me again, but it's direction for me is direction for you. Direction for me is direction for you. I have direction. My direction now gives you direction. Your direction is to pray for and support those God has placed in leadership over you as elders. Uh, fast and pray for God to lead them to place before you the person he's chosen to lead in your life in the next season of, of growth and impact. And if, if, if you would, pray for us. Pray for us over the next few months because we're, we're, we're finding a new journey and a, discovering new land that we're supposed to conquer. Um, you've always been an incredible place to us. You're the place we raised our boys. You're the place we led individuals and families to Christ. You're the place we rallied men, women, youth, and children to follow Jesus. You're the place we started lifelong friendships and relationships. The place we've never felt forsaken. The place we've always given our all. And the place that's always given their all to us. Who's loved us. You've welcomed us in your homes and your family. And I want to say thanks for being that place for us. Um, thanks for being all you could be to us. Um, Debbie? Um, just yesterday, Dave and I were talking, and um, Dave's passion is songwriting. And he just um, went to Africa, and they collaborated and wrote a couple of songs there. So he was, we were, he was telling me about them and uh, let me listen to them. And, you know, it's kind of like Dave's mine. So, you know, he was sharing these songs with me and I was just like crying and, you know, my heart could have just burst. And so this morning before service, while I was in prayer, I was, you know, praying for Dave and Karina because um, God's got so much for you guys. And, and I really in prayer felt like he wanted me to tell you if he wrote down the things in the next year 
that he's going to do in your lives, it, it would terrify you. But he has so much for you, so many, so much more than you've ever even dreamed. And I love you guys so much. But as I was praying this morning, also thinking about just how proud I was of Dave, I was like, it's like God just dropped in my spirit. That's how I feel about you. Do you realize that that's all I want you to do is, is do the things that I've called you to? And sometimes, some days that's hard. Like today, today's hard. Um, we've spent the last 26 and a half years getting up on Sunday morning and know where we're, knowing where we were going. Um, I'm just thankful. David and I, God's called us to do lots of things. And some things we do really good. And, <laughs> and some things, obviously, maybe he hasn't called them. It's just things that we've thought over the years that we needed to do. But one thing that I feel like we're really good at and that God calls us to is loving people. And I... Thank you, because I feel like you've loved us too. Thank you for allowing us to stand with you the most intimate and painful times of your life. Thank you for trusting us when you buried your loved ones and you wanted us there. It's so humbling for us, but thank you as well for being there for us. We had not been here very long, and uh, my youngest sister lost um, her baby to um, SIDS. And Pastor Tim loaded up a van, and y'all came to Tuscaloosa and supported us. And my brother, when we lost my brother Mike last year, you were all there. And we needed you as much as you needed us. And guess what? You can do that for somebody else. God's got you here and in this church. We love this church. It is our home. We prayed when we came here. Because, you know, pastors change a lot. And we're, and Matt um, was four and Michael was two. And um, our little surprise miles came a few years later. But um, we said, God... Can, will you just let us raise our boys in this, you know, we'd love for them to start school and finish school. And all of our boys started and finished school in Chelsea. And guess what? We're not leaving Chelsea. Well, we might move across town, but we're not leaving you. We're going to be here. But we are so thankful for you and honored, honored that, God, that God gave us a new life. And just thankful that he gave us to you. But we do love you and we appreciate you so much. And God just wants us to follow him. And as hard as it is some days, he just wants us to follow him and do those things that he's calling to you. And as we're faithful, he's going to bless us. He's going to bless you in those things. I don't doubt that for a minute. We love you all so much. Thank you again just for allowing us to be a part of your lives and your family.